Performance Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. This is the third in a series of episodes analyzing the findings from Bottomline's recently released 2023 Business Payments Barometer. Today's episode will deal with the cash flow management section of that report. It is Bottomline's flagship research report. And before we dive into some of the key findings, a little background is in order. The barometer started in 2016 as a snapshot of the business payments industry in the UK. Over the time, the depth of the research grew, and in 2022, we expanded the survey to include the United States, interviewing 800 financial decision makers in each country across a range of business sizes and areas. The research was conducted by Ipsos for Bottom Line between February and March of this year. We're going to unpack some of the key findings here from a report that captures a sweep of the issues in the post-pandemic business payments industry. On a very general level, despite the economy, ever-increasing fraud and a payments landscape in flux, companies on both sides of the pond appear to be resilient in weathering the storm. They have a good handle on their cash management and feel optimistic about experimenting with new payment types, changing payment terms, and looking for ways to better protect their business payments. They also have better handle on cash flow management than they did last year. You know, we often simplify the world of corporate and consumer payments. In fact, I'm guilty as charged in boiling down a complex process down sometimes to pay and get paid or cash in and cash out. But the reality is that this process, especially when seen holistically, needs to be managed. And the best way to manage it is through automated processes. The cash flow section of the report deals with these processes. And here to address them, we have two subject matter experts. Up first from our U.S. office, Ganita Bindra is the Vice President of Product Management and Partnerships for Bottom Line's PayModex Business Payments Network. Throughout her career, she has led teams in developing and executing strategic products and partnerships for evolving business needs. Welcome, Ganita. Awesome. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure to be here and discuss this ever so evolving payments industry and such an interesting industry this is. Also with you, Charles, uh, look forward to doing this. Yes, and as, as Ganita said, we also have Charles Bennett um, from our UK office, who is the head of product here at Bottom Line. He is responsible for a wide portfolio of products across accounts receivable, accounts payable, cash management, fraud management, including direct debit, subscription payments, confirmation of payee, international payments, and checks. Welcome, Charles Bennett. Yeah, thank you very much. Good to speak with both of you. I love this time of year because of the payments barometer. It always springs up some really great insights and then brings us together to talk through how we think the world is going to change going forward. So looking forward to it, guys. Well, the insights are going to come from you, not from me, which is, <laughs> which is a good thing on this call, guys. So Charles, let's start with you. The barometer tracked four trends, recurring payments, one-off payments, late payers, and failed payers all saw significant movement. When asked how each have an increase or decrease, recurring payments saw a 52% increase with 47% recording an uptick in one-off payments. And in what could be a reflection of the economic malaise that the whole world is seeing, late payers are up 55%, failed payers up 47%. So my question to you, Charles, is how can cash flow management strategies and technologies help businesses get consumers on the right track? It's a great question. And I think those stats, there's probably no surprise that we've seen an increase in late and failed payers, given the economic crisis and, and the uh, the perfect storm you talked about earlier on. Um, I think 
the the little bit of surprise is that the quantum of increase you know you said some big numbers there 40 odd percent so that's telling me that um companies around the world are struggling to to deal with this that they're tracking it and they know about it that's for sure from the customers we speak to um and actually probably in the last six months maybe 12 we have many many more conversations with our customers who want to know how they can deal with this so so some of them are blind to it so i guess my first step is get the information and track what's happening uh that's our first piece of advice to all our customers um to get the insights understand who is failing uh to pay or cancelling the payment types um because if you can't track it you can't do anything about it so step one track that and find out where you have the problems you'll probably have it in certain uh customer groups or, or uh, sectors uh, and you then know where to focus your efforts the second thought on that one is, is a number of different themes so the great news is there's so many new uh, regulatory changes and new technology types and automation to help you weather this storm and deal with these challenges. And so the first thought is, um, if imagine you could uh, find out before someone's going to be a late payer, if you knew that, you can do something about that and actually uh, talk to them, engage them, give them a different route to make that payment. And so our second piece of advice is once you know where the problems are, try and predict who might be a late payer in that period, month, week or, or year, whatever it might be. It could be seasonality based. Uh, because once you know that, as I said, you can reach out to them and you can then leverage some of the new technologies and capabilities that you mentioned. So uh, in the UK, I'll give you a great example. Um, there is a thing called open banking that's been around for a number of years that is really gain momentum. And what that lets you do is make a instant payment from uh, the customer's account straight into the biller's account. It's it's pretty much real-time settlement. It's um, far greater uh, efficiencies uh, than using a traditional method such as a card. And so a lot of corporates really like that. And and if they can predict who might be late uh, and miss a recurring payment like a direct debit, what they can do is then reach out to that customer in advance to say, if you're having a struggle this month, why don't you have a little bit of flexibility? Maybe we'll give you a week's grace. Maybe they're um, a gig economy, uh, you know, earnings. And so having a week or two's grace is quite helpful. But then use the open banking, those new capabilities, those new technologies to give them a different way to pay. And the beauty of that is the corporate avoids the um, the operational cost and headache of um, reporting on a late payer. They don't have to chase that customer two, three times to get the money because um, they're acting proactively. And it ends in a pretty cost-efficient payment rail, open banking, when most late payers typically pay by card, certainly in the consumer space, which, as we know, is one of the more expensive ways to take payment from a customer. So lots of different ways they can do that. Um, but as I said, John, track it, understand where the, where the issues are, and then proactively reach out to those customers in advance using data science, using the insights, and then offer them different ways to pay. That helps give them a better customer experience. It cuts your costs, but also is a competitor differentiation. If you're out there helping your customers weather their storm, they're going to stick with you through that storm. So, Ganita, let's go to the states. The economy also showed up in the barometer um, stateside. Late, late payments, 58% up. Bailed payers, 41%. 
Um, recurring payments jumped by 60% and one-off throws 51%. But let's, let's get back to the, the issue at hand here. From a corporate ex- perspective, um, how can AP automation affect the dynamics of this economy and, and how they can deal with it? Uh, what I'm going to do is answer this question in three parts. And I want the listeners to focus on automation, which is number one. I want the listeners to focus on security and fraud risk, which is number two. And then I want us all to focus on cash flow back into our pockets because all these three three things help us really drive better outcomes if you implement AP automation. So AP automation, number one, provides businesses with the ability to automate their manual processes, those tedious processes, managing in Excel sheets. This now allows, if you are automated, this now allows you to do more with less resources, not only that, but with less time too. We're hearing a lot of layoffs, um, you know, all of, it's all around the press. So often the strategy is how do we do more with less? And automation is a big answer. Often lack of automation is the reason to late payments or even failed payments. So again, reminder, number one is automation, which is what AP automation brings to the table. Number two is security. So AP automation really takes away the day-to-day burden for a business to manage multiple suppliers, their preferred payment types, and above all, manage those bank accounts for those suppliers, which we know change time to time. And if you're managing that in an Excel sheet, That is not a good use of your time. Also, it exposes you to a lot of risk and fraud. So again, automation takes care of all of that and provides risk-free, secure payments that will help your business grow. So far, I covered automation. We covered risk. The third key lever that AP Automation brings to your business is cash flow back into your pockets. So Charles, at least here in the U.S., the businesses earn a lot of cash flow back into their pockets if they're using electronic payment types such as card, virtual card, or our, even our bottom line's proprietary pay- payment type premium ACH. So why not, you know, traditionally we've seen AP is outgoing payments. Why not, while paying your suppliers, make some money yourself? So I do think that AP automation can significantly help drive better outcomes and dynamics in this unstable economy, bring you the automation, allows you to do more with less, takes care of your burden of managing multiple suppliers, takes care of uh, security and risk mitigation of those payments, and last but not the least, the cash flow back into your pockets. So well said, Ganita. You know, one of the more positive stories in the the report is about automation. I mean, it, it found significant increases in automation, cash flow management, software jumping from 53% last year to 64% usage this year, treasury management up from 33 to 44, and AI from 29 to 38. And we'll get to that um, a little more later. So it looks like companies are moving toward this automated process that you talked about, but how would you counsel a company that has actually gotten the gospel here? How did, so if a company has just migrated from Excel to automated processes, what are some of the key functions and features they should pay attention to? Again, focusing on the cash management piece of it, what we're saying is 
John and Charles, the growing economic complexity, the more competition that's coming in, and the increasingly sophisticated technology has elevated the importance of centralized treasury and risk management solutions. No wonder we've seen, we're seeing great rise for them. Now, key features that from our perspective would be cash management and cash forecasting. I would say that that is the number one feature that a cash management solution should be able to offer. A fully integrated cash management software that provides real-time liquidity, real-time cash flow visibility across your treasury function. And most importantly, don't just show me the information. Tell me, forecast it for me. So I think Charles touched on it a little bit. Data insights, don't just tell me the data. Give me the insights out of that data. Intelligently forecast my cash for me so that it's less burden on me. Number two, we've seen again, risk and exposure is a big, big feature we, we see here on the rise. Number three, I would say payments. So look for solutions that have all payment types, not just B2B, but B2C, international payments, um, make sure that you're able to do and manage all your payments from one-stop shop. It'll give you better insights to optimize your payment strategy better. Last, I would say is, uh, you know, we see integrations and APIs are becoming increasingly so critical. We know that one system alone can solve, cannot solve for everything. So being able to be able to integrate with various banking systems ERP systems, having a robust API suite that allows you to do that is so critical in, in these days. So Charles, two-sided story in the UK. On the plus side, automation is on the rise with cash flow management software now in place at 59% of all companies, up from 46% last year. Automated treasury management went from 27% to 37%. However, on the flip side, Manual Excel processes hold steady, going from 29% in 2022 to 32% in 2023. Charles, why does Excel still have such a hold on so many companies? It's a great question. And, and at, first, uh, at first face value, it, it does sort of raise the eyebrows. But then when you look a bit closer and, and sort of reflect on the conversations we certainly have with many of our customers, I think there's a really sound reason for it. So if you think about put yourself in the customer's shoes, uh, many of them using Excel today have two options in front of them. They either go for an all out, what I would call a full, full suite treasury management service, which is a very large investment in terms of uh, expenditure and a very large investment in terms of change management. You know, we hear one or two year journeys to move to a fully blown treasury management service. Um, so the first angle is, is that you've got to think about what that journey looks like. That's a long journey. You're not going to drop those Excel spreadsheets that you've put your career on and your company's cash flow relies on. You're not going to drop those overnight. So I suspect that's one of the reasons why we're still seeing Excel hanging around. Also, when you think about a treasury management system, a TMS, it's a very um, macro level view. Many finance teams still need what I would refer to as the more micro level of management that they perhaps don't get from the TMS. It might be a specific territory view of cash management or a specific business line view. So they still need to hold on to those Excel spreadsheets. I think that's probably one of the reasons why. So it's the fear of letting go, but the need to um, 
still maintain that that next level down of detail that perhaps the those global TMS solutions don't offer. That's the first view. My second view is those people that use spreadsheets and opt not to go for a fully blown treasury management service, we're seeing a big growth in those that want to take a halfway house. I don't want to embark on a two-year change management journey, and I don't want the huge expense of a TMS, but I do want to move myself off that spreadsheet. And where they're going is a, um, a cash flow management solution that's a much lighter version, a halfway house, as I said. And that's giving them the essentials they need, the cash visibility, and it's giving them the additional smarts to do the essential cash management pieces, the intelligent recommendations that time save, that that uh, give them a much quicker view of their cash position and lets them move their money far more quickly, lets them assess the changes in interest rates in different territories. And even those folks that are moving to that halfway house, that, that lighter touch approach where it can be implemented in a matter of weeks uh, and the costs are you know dramatically less than a fully blown treasury management service, I think they too will not let go of their spreadsheets straight away. Uh, we're seeing companies moving to those halfway house and getting huge value, but it does take a little bit of time to run those in flight. So we've seen a huge increase in treasury management and cash management automation in the report this year. But I wonder whether people are just running them side by side for a little bit while they get the confidence to let go of those spreadsheets. And I think truly the spreadsheets will still be needed for the micro level activities. And, and I think where the real value is, is the automation for those bigger picture plays. When you're running a global cash management view, you need to automate that, that view. And I think a quick view on the AI as well, John, um, I think we're all very familiar with, with the opportunities that AI brings. Uh, and it goes back to the, the, the comment around insights and what Ganita said about actionable insights and proactivity. The beauty of AI and all the smarts it brings, it can run uh, and look ahead for you and, and give you recommendations as to where you should focus your time. If you have many, many different territories, many different um, vehicles that move cash backwards and forwards, many different um, cash risk uh, aspects, loans, interest rates, etc., markets to, uh, to attend, it's very hard to keep track of all those and stay on top of it. The beauty of AI uh, and those treasury solutions, those cash management automation solutions, is they can do the hard work for you 24-7, they're monitoring, and they can then raise an alert to you. And so you might want to take a closer look at this. Uh, there's an observation here. There's a recommendation what to do. Uh, you know, Please have a look at this. And that, that's the beauty of it. It's providing proactive insights and recommendations that save time and let the finance teams focus in where, where they're going to drive the most value. In a new question in this year's barometer, we covered international payments. We asked financial decision makers to share their biggest challenges in making them. In Great Britain, high payment fees were the biggest pain point at 61%, with meeting sanctions screening requirements close behind at 57%. Those are the top two challenges in the U.S. as well. So, Ganita, I want to ask you a question. In the context of business payments, suppose a customer has occasional international payments. How can they address those issues of high payment fees and visibility? Great question and great perspective in this year's uh, survey. So John, from my perspective in today's time, an AP automation solution or a cash management solution, TMS solution, offering international payments is table stakes. 
So I think when the, to going back to your question, how can a customer or a business address the issues of high payment fees and visibility? In our opinion, when these when you are offered the ability to pay to your international suppliers or international businesses, use of uh, a product that offers in-country local clearing system for most of your destinations in mind to minimize your wire transfer fees, because those are big, uh, make sure the solutions that you're using supplement that wire transfer with like local clearing where local clearing may not still be an option. And the most important thing, John, is from our perspective, clear, clear and transparent visibility into FX rates and payment timing is the most important thing, especially in our solution, John, FX rates are available prior to the payment approval. So the customer or the business knows how much they're paying before they approve that payment. So, Kadita, let's stay with you. And this question is about payables. In, in the barometer this year, we posed a statement. And the statement was, we care about how our suppliers prefer to get paid and whether it's efficient for them. Now, 81% agreed with that statement. I know that you see something new in those payments priorities based on the way the statement is phrased. Could you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I think that sentiment has evolved in the last few years. Um, this group of buyers we surveyed or businesses we surveyed are definitely a caring bunch. But jokes aside, yes, there is a shift in my opinion. Post-pandemic, that is, more and more businesses care for their suppliers, especially if they are strategic to them, given the supply chain constraints we all saw. They care for how their suppliers get paid and also when they get paid. As pay, more and more payment terms are being renegotiated, which also is a big part of the survey we did, for those better terms, in my opinion, there is this care that goes back in return to those suppliers to care for how the supplier gets paid. And then even on the supplier side, efficiency is a big topic. Collecting cash is their biggest pain point. So yes, they now drive and demand efficient ways to get paid. And that's not paper check. So I think I, I do see that, you know, I'm actually glad to see the, the 81% care about their suppliers and how they get paid. Um, and I think that number is only going to grow. And I think solutions need to offer products that are not just pushing suppliers to get paid on a certain payment type. I think it is all about helping buyer and suppliers negotiate best terms and pay both sides and get paid efficiently. Charles, in the UK, 64% said they care about how suppliers get paid and whether or not that's efficient. A bit concerning that 36% of respondents disagree with that statement. Also interesting, the cash flow management was the top payment priority in Great Britain, with 40% of all respondents agreeing with that statement. Technology, fraud, and reconciliation filling out the list. Any comment there? Yeah, it's a good one, this one, isn't it? So, uh, you know, 
64% of people are, are focused on that cash flow management when paying suppliers. That has to be essential for them, doesn't it? They work so hard to get the money into their business through the collections, through the receivables side of their business. They're going to be very, very careful about letting go of that money to suppliers, especially in this economic climate. And I think the key things they focus on are speed, cost and efficiency and that's why that 64% that they're really close to their cash and if you think about it if you can embrace ways to pay people uh, and that it's a quicker way to pay them such as faster payments in the UK that means you can hold on to the money for an extra day or two before you pay your suppliers and that is going to be essential especially for those higher value B2B payments that we see across our network. The other thing is cost there's not many businesses in this climate that aren't looking to save money and cut costs to weather the storm. So if you look at how you pay your suppliers, you're going to want to drive the most efficient payment rails and aggregate as many payments as possible to drive the best experience and the best payment efficiencies for those payments themselves. And so that's obviously another reason I think why people are looking at that very closely. And the last one I mentioned is efficiency. Running a, a an AP function paying many, many suppliers, many, many payments uh, week in, week out is a very complex piece of work. Um, it requires a lot of uh, co cooperation between the fraud teams and the payment teams. Uh, and that's why they're placing such great focus. We're seeing a huge increase in the way fraudsters are targeting corporates. And so for an AP team and a finance team to protect themselves, they have to stay focused on that and that the cash flow management is essential to them. So they think about efficiency. How can they uh, avoid having to work with multiple payment rails what they really want is one pipe, one payment hub provided to them by one of their key suppliers because it makes life so much easier. If they can submit uh, one file and that someone else deals with all the headache of splitting that file, sending it down the various pipes depending on where it's going and the quantums and the amounts and the destinations, that gives them the efficiency. So I think they're really focused on that that uh, that payment out and that's why you're seeing you know relatively high proportion of people that are doing that and those 36 percent that perhaps don't agree with the cash management that's an interesting stat um we'd love to speak to those people do get in touch because um that's an interesting view uh, and i suspect they're probably looking at the technology side and the fraud side as more important to them um, and again as i mentioned fraud already so um I, I think it's a really interesting space but a lot of focus on that as i said all right, now it's time for my favorite part. We're going to ask our panelists to gaze into the future. The, the barometer has a pretty fascinating section on the factors that will influence the next three years. I'm not going to include that in this podcast because I want you to read them at bottomline.com. Um, I would like to focus on the factors that Kanita and Charles believe will believe those will be those influential factors. Kanita, you first. That's awesome, John. So let's talk about it. Uh, number one for me is, which is also uh, a, a result in the survey, which is payment risk and payment fraud will be top of mind for all C-suite in the businesses. I do think that this is on the rise and um, you know we wanna make sure that solutions we offer to our clients, the businesses and as an industry uh, are risk-free fraud-free, and ensure that our CFOs sleep well. Number two for me is advanced automation. So I think as an industry that has traditionally just focused on just pay and get paid, 
I think it's going to go further than that. I think we're going to all start thinking of finding the best ways now to pay and get paid. That includes faster payments, more efficient payments, more automation, more communication. And I'm speaking just for B2B. So more communication between buyer as a business and supplier as a business. So I do think advanced automation is going to kick in. The third for me is something to watch for uh, the generative AI, chat GPT, and the role it's going to play in B2B payments will be interesting to watch. I, I expect us to launch many solutions that will take advantage of these uh, and provide better experiences to businesses. So three for me, payment fraud and risk, advanced automation, and chat GPD generative AI's impact and technology impact to B2B payments. Charles Bennett, what are the factors that will influence the next three years in the payments business? This is a great question. And it used to be um, a relatively easy question because change didn't really happen that fast in payments, you know, sort of 10 years ago, five years ago. But my word, we are in a once in a generational amount of change all around us. And so all the things Ganita said, I fully support. Um, and so I'll add a, a slightly different angle to, to complement Ganita's answer. So, uh, and I'm going to give three, three things as well. So I think um, what we're going to see in the next three years is that the role of the finance leader and the finance team is going to be even more thrust into the spotlight within the business. You know, we saw those teams, uh, we all turned to them during the pandemic to help keep the money coming into the businesses from their kitchens and from their bedrooms. Uh, and that, you know, the finance teams were the heroes of many an organization keeping the show on the road. And I think we're going to, as we move through the next three years, those finance teams will remain in the spotlight of all the corporates. Uh, and it's no longer keep the show on the road. It's help me, uh, help me save money, help me weather the storm and help me get fit for the change that's coming. So the first thing is, I think the role of finance teams is going to be even more in the spotlight to help drive the success of all the corporates. The second one I mentioned is around change. It's certainly not slowing down, is it? There are huge amounts of regulatory changes. Expectations of customers and suppliers are, are ever greater for faster payments, better experiences, omnichannel experiences. And so having to be able to uh, adapt to provide those, meet those changes, meet the expectations of customers and suppliers, achieve the levels of automation, efficiency and growth all at the same time. That's a really challenging landscape to be dealing with. Uh, and, and that is going to be the focus of those finance teams, keeping efficiency, keeping uh, operational uh, cost cutting, but also uh, driving the growth of the business with payments as part of the end customer experience, uh, that, that competitive differentiation I mentioned. And I think the last one, the third one, is the network story. Uh, I think corporates are going to really benefit from tapping into organizations that can provide them with a network play the uh the, the sum of the parts as it were so those organizations that can better interface with their other suppliers their erps their crm solutions their back office solutions as a payments provider as a payments platform if you can network with those other entities do the hard work for the corporate so that they don't have to do it themselves. Uh, that that integration, that seamless uh, movement of data between the various systems is going to be key. And I think that network story is going to be incredibly important. And effectively, really, the, the ultimate view is 
I think corporates want those those payment providers, those platforms like Bottom Line. They want them to bring them all the value of the change that's happening around them, the innovations, and and how it can help support their business priorities. And they want them to remove all the pain that comes with keeping up with the times and future-proofing their business. And that's what I think the biggest change will be in the next three years. It's it's that network play for payments. Bring me all the innovation, bring it to me, uh, package it up, make it easy for me to consume and interface with my other systems, but remove all the pain that I'm going to have to go through to keep up with the future proofing of the payment rails and the payment regulations. Keep that away from me. You deal with that for me uh, and I'll just take all the good bits. Very well said. Very well said by both of you. Thank you very much. So, hey, that's a wrap. For this episode of the Payments Podcast, I would like to thank my guests from Bottom Line, Charles Bennett. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Gunita Bindra, thank you as well. Thank you for having me. All right, great. And we will see you wherever you access your favorite podcast. That's on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. See you next time. from Bottom Line Technologies.